This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello there, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 268, recorded on Monday, May the 9th, 2016. May the 9th. Yeah, did I get the number right? 268, even though I fumbled over it? That, uh, I have 258. <laughs> Great. I'm pretty sure <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's 268. Anyways. Damn it. I wrote it down wrong. <laughs> That's all right. Welcome to the program, everybody. It is May the 9th, and we are here, of course, to talk about Fear the Walking Dead Season 2, Episode 5. Um, but first... There is, uh, we want to take a quick look back at last week on Fear the Walking Dead. And before that, even, I want to uh, really quick here play a call from Wendy in England. Hi, guys. It's Wendy in England. It's been a while since I've spoken or emailed. I've been super busy with work and my studies. Um, I've continued listening to your podcast, though. Uh, so much so that in the 10-ish weeks since I found you... Uh, I've listened from the very first, and I've just made it to the last one, number 267. Love the show. You and Jason have kept me company on my walks to work, doing the grocery shopping, driving in my car. And I just want to thank you for your dedication. I hope Talking Dead goes on forever and care about The Walking Dead. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, Take care, guys. Bye. Love you. All right. Well, first of all, Wendy, thank you so much for the, thank you for the kind words and and uh, for for tuning in. So, Wendy's a relatively new listener. It sounds yet like. dedicated, <laughs> yet extremely dedicated. <laughs> so she's what did she say? Ten weeks, and she's listened to everything from the beginning. That's a lot. Like that's nuts. That's that's a little bit crazy. It, well, I don't know if it's a little bit crazy. I've gone back and listened to podcasts, uh, you know, that have had hundreds of episodes and gone back to the beginning and just started over. Okay. I uh, started from the beginning. It made sense because it was a Dungeons and Dragons podcast and it was about a and d adventure. And there's no point starting in the middle. Like, how did they get to level five? I'll right. never know. I have to go back to the beginning and uh, and start. Right, right, right. So you, you want to hear the whole story from the beginning. Yeah. Um, not quite as important for what we do here, but I mean, I could see if someone's rewatching or they just wanted to hear our thoughts on older episodes of the show. That's that's great. But But thank you so much, Wendy. And the reason I wanted to play that is she, as we just said, mentioned starting from the beginning. And if that is something that might interest you, Jason or or any listener out there, mm-hmm. it's easier to do that now because a couple of weeks ago, I changed the RSS feed so that it once again includes all of our episodes all the way back to number one. Awesome. For a long time there, it was only the most recent 50, but I decided, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to include everything in there so people can easily get the older episodes. And I don't think I ever actually mentioned it on the air here. So I'm doing it now. If you wanted to, if you want to go back from the beginning and listen to everything we've done, just subscribe or go to iTunes. It's all available in iTunes. You can go back to number one. And uh, that's, you know, makes it easier. I don't know if I could go back to number one. No. 
No, I've I I went back to like uh, I remember one time we put uh, the first some odd episodes on a uh, a USB key that we were giving away. Long time ago. Long time ago, exactly. And I went back and I listened to the first couple of episodes then, and it was uh, extremely cringeworthy for me. <laughs> well, just just in general, like we weren't as good. Not to say, know. listen, just not to some say of that the we're... shit that comes out of my mouth sometimes. It just it, I find it very irritating after the fact. <laughs> I have to go back and listen. <laughs> when it's coming out, you know, it's fine, but you don't yeah, want that, to Yeah, that's all well and good. All right. You know, and for me, you know, the moment's gone. I yeah. say it, it's stupid, it's gone. <laughs> but, you know, it's recorded forever for posterity, and I don't like to remind myself of that fact. Don't like to. Okay, well, I, I can see that, uh, but this is what we do here. We record things, and it's recorded forever. And yeah. uh, someday, you can play all these podcasts for your, your new child. That, that's true. That's, if they uh, have any interest whatsoever, which I'm not sure that they might or would. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Don't know. Uh, speaking of Jason's child, though, at the end of this episode, we are going to read out the baby names that everyone sent in. So, Right. Are we going to have a poll to pick it? That should be pick fun. Baby name? Well, why not? If, <laughs> if you're okay with it, we could run a contest if you want. Oh, I have no say in the matter. <laughs> <laughs> so we could do it if we want to, but really... Yeah. It, makes no difference yeah there's no bearing on reality got it all right well we are going to read the names that everyone suggested anyhow we've rambled on too long let's take a look back at last week on fear the walking dead and the first thing we will do is take a look at the ratings um so really quick recap season two episode one had 6.67 million number two 5.58 number three 4.73 and then episode four slight increase to oh. 4.8 4.8. So I think what we have here is that we've hit our leveling off point for the season. We've come down a few notches since the beginning. And I have a feeling now season two of Fear is going to sit in that four and a half to five million viewer range probably for the rest of the season, maybe with the exception of like season finale type episode. Yeah, we're going to have a little fluctuation. But yeah, I think that's uh, that's a good place to level off. Not, not too bad. 4.8 is what we had last week. So... Um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, that's still pretty darn good. Um, you know, as I've said, it's nowhere near main Walking Dead level, but 4.8 million, it's a lot of eyeballs. Yeah. So it's, I, uh, you know, that's twice as many eyeballs, really. <laughs> it's a lot of, it's a lot of damn eyeballs. Is that 9.6? 9.6 million eyeballs? What? Roughly speaking? What do you, what? I don't understand. Um, 4.8, you double it. Yeah. Well, it's, sure. <laughs> 9.6. Okay, but the main show has more than that, even. No, I know that, but I'm just, you're, you're talking about the number of eyeballs. That's oh. all I'm doing. It's talking about the number of eyeballs. I understand. Generally it's, speaking, maybe a little less. You're right, maybe. Uh, no one has three, but occasionally people have one. Yeah, that's why I say less. Okay. It can't be more. It's not going to average out. All right. Well, I have, that's, uh, let's put it this way 4.8 million is a lot of faces looking at this show. That's true. All right. Uh, that's good. We'll see how it keeps going for the rest of the season. All right. We got some emails here about last week's show, and uh, here's the first one. Connie from Connecticut writes, From the plane tilt in the sky until we see spinal injury guy, perhaps it was only three or four days. Everything that Strand was doing was under a time constraint. No way is he going to wait nine days if he's worried about some deadline he's trying to meet. Keep in mind they left the house almost immediately after they got there, after they escaped the military, and they just left and buried Travis's ex at sea maybe a day or two ago. That's the only thing I can think it, that's the only way I think it fits. Maybe they're tightening the timeline because everyone was upset about the nine day time jump. 
But here's the thing. The nine-day time jump comes before all of that stuff that uh, that Connie mentions. Yeah, it did. It was before they ever got on the boat. Yeah, it was. So I, I went back to just double-check exactly the order of things happening. So Nick sees the plane near the end of Season 1, Episode 3, which was called The Dog. He's coming out of a house, or, or he's trying to break into a house, and he sees the plane go overhead, looks at it, and then we move on with the episode. The time jump happens between that episode and the next one, between three and four, because in episode four, that's the one where Chris is on the roof and he sees the flashing light through uh, uh, the camera he's using. And that's when we find out there's been nine days that have gone by. So that plane was crashing. Then there was a nine day jump. And then we have all the strand stuff and they get on the boat and so on. So there's no way they can compress it. There's no way they can erase it. It's just... It is what it is. Yeah, it's just one of those things. Well, maybe, uh, you know, 747 was flying uh, you know, uh, across the ocean, and the pilot comes on and says, uh, excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we seem to have lost our number one engine. Uh, but it's nothing to panic about. Uh, we've lost one engine, and uh, we can fly perfectly well on uh, the, the remaining three engines. It's just going to take us uh, maybe another 40, extra 45 minutes to, uh, to get to our destination. <laughs> so, you know, passengers go back to their, uh, their everyday lives. Uh, watching movies and whatnot, but, you know, about an hour later, pilot comes on. It's like, uh, excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, we lost our number four engine. Uh, we can fly on three or two engines uh, without a problem. It's going to take us uh, about another couple of hours to uh, to get to our destination, however. So there's nothing to worry about. So that's fine. Another few hours go by and the pilot comes on and says, uh, excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, just wanted to let you know that we lost our number two engine. Uh, we're perfectly capable of uh, completing our flight on uh, the one remaining engine. Everything seems to be going fine with that engine. Everything's fine. We're just going to be about two and a half hours late to our destination. So the uh, one of the passengers turns to the other one and goes, man, if we lose that fourth engine, we're going to be up here forever. <laughs> or nine days anyways. <laughs> yeah, so maybe that's exactly what happened is that they slowly lost their engines and it just took longer and longer and longer to get to their uh, to where they were going. That's That's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that was going to end with a with an actual punchline, but it did. <laughs> Not bad, man. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, nine days. It's there. Nothing they can do. Uh, so I think we just have to suspend our disbelief a little bit that spinal cord guy would last that long, or yeah, that well, maybe... or that the timeline works in any way. <laughs> I, who knows what happened? We could have had a Back to the Future type situation as well. Exactly. You never know. Or maybe what was that movie? Millennium. Where the, uh, the uh, was that a TV show? It was also a TV show. Okay, but uh, the movie Millennium, which you should go watch, it's actually kind of entertaining. Where uh, people from the future come back and steal pe- uh, victims from plane crashes. Like Ooh, they weird. actually pause the plane, make everybody kind of go to sleep. They take them all out of the plane, replace them with uh, inanimate duplicates, and then the plane crashes. It's to get people into the future for some reason. Weird. Yeah. Sounds maybe interesting. that happened. Yeah, maybe. It was just some kind of time slip from the future. All right. Going by, by and going, hey, we need these people for a couple of days. For a couple of days. We're just going to take them off this plane. Yeah. Interesting. Sounds cool. All right. Emma in Winnipeg, Manitoba writes, I think my biggest hope for the rest of the season is that they take advantage of Mexico in the somewhat unapocalypsed state they are implying. Maybe the showrunners picked up on the fact that their entire audience base was annoyed about the time jump in season one. Uh, where we missed society deteriorating. Mexico might be a good chance for them to redeem themselves. It could be. Yeah, so I put Maybe that in just, there. Uh, 
Maybe it's another chance for the apocalypse to happen all over again. We can just they've do it again. Their, yeah, if they've got their shit together for now, mm-hmm. it could fall apart while they're there, and we'll get to see it all again. Well, that's right. And the point that Emma's making, and I put this in because she mentions the time jump as well, um, but the point she's making is that people were upset about that time jump, right? This show is supposed to be about the beginning of the apocalypse and seeing exactly what happens, and then they skip over nine days, and it's kind of annoying. So if they can find a way to get to a place where the apocalypse, you know, is earlier on, even like it's only, you know, there's still lots of people around. They're still trying to fight back or whatever. Maybe they can sort of redo what uh, people were upset about in season one. That's true. I don't know. Interesting idea. Okay. Shane on the internet writes, am I the only one who wants to punch strand in his throat every time he says it's his boat? He talks a big game about everyone pulling their weight, but all he's done is lead them to a boat. (laughs) Team Madison have gone ashore for supplies. Team Madison fixed the ship when it broke down. And now Team Madison defended it against pirates. It's no longer his boat as he abandoned it. It now belongs to Madison. Fingers crossed they turn around and go save Alex. (laughs) That's true. She's the first officer though, right? Madison? I assume. Yeah. I assume she's the first officer. The captain never goes ashore. Like, I'm sure you did in uh, the original Star Trek, but, uh, you know, Next Generation, they always said the captain has to stay on the ship. Yeah. And uh, the first officer takes the away team to go do whatever needs to be done on planet Hell. I guess so, but I think Shane is saying that this never really was Strand's boat. Like, sure. Oh, no, that, yeah, that's that's true, too. You know, he he's taken it, and they're sailing it or, or whatever somewhere, but, uh, but he he may not have left, and he is the captain, but... You know, since it was never his to begin with, it seems like Madison and, well, Team Madison is doing everything and they should, they should claim the boat as their own, maybe. They should, they should throw him off. Throw him off. Who needs him anyways? Or tie him to the, uh, the prow, the, the front thing where they have, uh, like on the old timey ships, they have uh, right. a statue of some kind. <laughs> you should tie him to that. He'll, what's the, what do you call that thing on a boat? It's not the hood know. ornament. Well, yeah, why not? Okay, it's the hood ornament <laughs> on the, the boat. That's that's better than what I had. All right. Well, he could become the hood ornament. We should know this because I buy those things in Assassin's Creed sometimes. No. Yeah. The game, the video game. Yeah, yeah, no, I I got it. I don't know. Anyways, for my boats. Um, all right, moving right along. Sean in Richmond, Virginia, also about Strand. He writes, I think you were being very unfair to Strand for abandoning the boat and crew. Put yourself in his position. He took this homeless group back to his seemingly secure mansion and brought them along for a ride on Abigail, none of which he was obligated to do. He has been honest and fair to everyone aboard, not to mention seems to be breaking an agreement to bring them along. But because Salazar has some weird skeletons in his closet, he assumes everyone else does too, so he repays Strand for his hospitality by rummaging through his things and stealing the clip out of his gun. The one gun with enough firepower to stop Connor's gang. So when these people boarded, he was the only one with a chance to stop them, while everyone else was busy providing a tour of the place. What's he done wrong, really? Won't let a few people on the boat? Obviously he was right. Look how it's worked out for them now. So, (laughs) yeah, I can sort of see both sides at the end of the day here. You know, he's been a dick, but he kind of was right, too. And if nobody trusts him... That's what's screwing them up here, right? Because he could have maybe stopped Connor from taking over this boat, but he couldn't because Daniel doesn't trust him. And, you know, you got to have the trust. 
with the people you're traveling with, I think. Uh, well, generally, unless you want to be an ass. Yeah, but who wants to be an ass? Well, some people like to be asses. <laughs> I guess so. I don't know. Um, Christine on the internet writes, Okay, I have a theory about why Tent City is empty. As the outbreak spread through, some people would be running away. As live people ran, new zombies would chase them. The commotion would draw other zombies still left in the camp, and I'm sure a few people were able to keep going long enough to aggro all the zombies out of the camp. Right. Do you think that, that aggro again? Yeah. Do you think that works? Like people would start running away, and the zombies would follow them, and eventually they'd all just be drawn away by the people fleeing. They might. They could. They might. Maybe I mean, not all the zombies. There'd be a couple of here and there still, kind of uh, that didn't quite get the signal that everybody was leaving. Yeah, and that's why Nick found the one in there, I, I guess, right? He's lucky there was one there because he needed the the gormiflage. Um But I still think it's a little odd that it seemed so quiet and peaceful around there. Um, and, and I'm wondering if there's an explanation other than people ran away and the zombies chased them. You know, it's right close to the border apparently. So, uh, so you know, maybe there was some sort of um, interaction with you know, people across the border in Mexico or, or for some reason they let those people in and they cleared out the tent city. I don't know. But, uh, I could see if people were running away, it would at least draw some of the zombies away. That's true. So, some of the zombies would follow whoever there was running away, but I don't know if they draw all of them. Yeah. That's yeah. I, I think it would have been a little bit more, uh, realistic if if there was more than just the one in town right if nick shows up and he sees zombies milling around and he has to do something a little more clever than just kind of follow the one zombie and then hide in a tent to stab it you know maybe maybe make some noise draw one to him or something like that i don't know yeah Um, but we just saw the one there so I, i think in the main show we have to go back to the quarry and see how many zombies are left and that would give us an idea of because they made a lot of noise to get those zombies out of that quarry right Oh, you mean in season six, episode one? Yeah. Yeah. So they uh, they wanted to get rid of all the zombies. I'm just wondering how many are left in the quarry. Like, did they draw them all away or mm-hmm. just most of them? Or maybe all of them except one? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, those zombies, like the truck fell in and that opened the door. And that's when they all started streaming out. And you're right. I guess they, they were leading them away. They were pied pipering them away, but... Uh, I guess some would have stayed there. Yeah. Some just mill around. Some zombies are lazy. Well, yeah, because they're, you know, it's just, it's a residual memory from when they were alive. <laughs> like me, if I was a zombie, I'd probably never get off the couch. I would, yeah, exactly. I would, uh, I would not survive the zombie apocalypse. And most likely I would just find a nice comfy place and I'd be a lurker. Yeah. You know, we don't get a lot of lurkers in the show. No. Nope. We get some, but I definitely would be a, lo- a lurker. Yes. Or a camper. What do they call those in when you're playing uh, like Team Fortress 2 and you're a sniper and you camp out someplace? I think it's a camper. Sure. You just kind of camp out someplace and wait for somebody to go by and then you shoot them. You shoot them. And they get mad at you because you just, all you did was sit there like an idiot Ah, and you got to kill. Somebody did that to me in in a game of paintball once and it pissed me right off. Well, I played paintball twice in my life and that was annoying, so. Uh, okay, one more quick email here about last week. This is from Eric in San Diego, which is German for whale's vagina, as he reminded us. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. He says, in the same frickin' episode, Nick swims to shore with no life vest or wetsuit without any issues. 
while Strand leaves the yacht from the same location as it was when Nick left, and it's a foregone conclusion that he's going to die from hypothermia. Typical lazy Walking Dead writing. It's the drugs. He's coming down from a uh, drug addiction that protects you from being cold. So it gives him, like, superpowers? Yeah, of course. Oh, okay. Well, what what other explanation do you have? Lazy writing? Come on. He's a good (laughs) swimmer. That wouldn't be a thing. He's a really good swimmer? Well, it doesn't matter. Well, I mean. You're still going to get cold, even if you're swimming. Okay, but tell me something. If if you're swimming and you're moving, aren't you going to get hypothermia slower? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's, really maybe it's a water temperature thing. I would think, though, if you're active in the water until you, you know, run out of energy, you're going to, uh, you're going to be able to stave off hypothermia a little bit. But I, I'm not sure. Well, I don't know, because it all depends on uh, how, whether a, uh, a body staying still uh, will dissipate more heat than one that's in motion that has water flowing over them. Mm-hmm. Right? Because that might actually speed up the heat loss which would maybe more than counteract the heat that you generate from moving. Hmm. So, but then we're getting into the realm of physics, and that's something I really know a little bit about, but nowhere near enough to actually make an informed answer to that question. Right. When you were in grade four, you could build a lever or roll a ball down a board and, and say, I learned physics, and that's where it ended. Oh. No, I got uh, I got like ninety seven percent in uh, grade thirteen physics when uh, in Ontario we had grade thirteen. Well, shit, man, you're smarter than most people. It sounds like. Well, I I really like physics, except you know nothing about it. No, I don't know anything about this hypothermia, like, conservation of momentum. I'm all good. Oh, okay. And good. I sat in the back of the class with a bunch of other nerds, and we spent like an hour coming up with a formula that proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that time travels at exactly one second per second. I'm not sure we needed a formula for that. But no, we didn't set you. out to prove that, but we were playing around and we ended up proving we cut the formula down. It's like, oh, well, one second per second. That makes sense, idiots. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> time yeah. moves at one second per second, you idiot. <laughs> you idiot, exactly. All right. Well, I don't know about the hypothermia, but um, I guess... Uh, I guess Nick can swim and on, with the drugs, he can swim harder and faster than anybody and make it to shore, but, but Strand just floating in the water and, and he's going to die. I don't know. Maybe he's got uh, a very high percentage of body fat and he's just, you know, keeps the heat altogether. <laughs> it really doesn't look like it. No, it does not. Although look at something I noticed about Nick in this episode, which we're going to talk about right now. Did you... He often has a nice big double chin going. Have you noticed that? Well, I mean, that happens to the best of us, my friend. Okay, but he's a skinny dude, and I don't know why. I think maybe he just has a pudgy neck, or he, he like, holds his chin way back or something, and it shows off. So uh, I don't know if anyone else has noticed, but it's like Shane's ears in uh, in the main show. Once oh, you see that dude's yeah. earlobes, you can't unsee them. Nick seems to have a double chin half the time. I will keep an eye out for that. All right. You should. Sorry, everyone, if uh, now that's all you're going to see when you look at the guy. Uh, Or maybe it's just me. I don't know. Okay. Speaking of this episode, season two, episode five, let us dive right in. It's called Captive for fairly obvious reasons, I think. And from AMC, the description reads as such, Alicia works to reunite with her family. Travis meets a familiar face. 
Madison and Nick lead a charge to save their family against all odds. All the odds, Jason. All just, the odds. Not just some of them, all of the odds. That's uh that's that's quite the trek. Yeah, it's a lot of odds. Um so here we are at episode five of season two, and I think it's fair to say, and I think we can all agree that so far season two of Fear the Walking Dead has been pretty good. We've had four episodes before this one that have been pretty good. There's been some time frame issues, which we've talked about, and occasionally there's some like annoying teenagers and stuff like that. Not none of the episodes are are perfect. I don't think any of them are quite up to the level of the best episodes on the main show. But I overall I think season two has been pretty solid. So I'm gonna start by asking you a question. Do you think that episode five has continued that trend? Or was this episode a step in either direction, either up or down from what we've seen so far? I think it continued the trend. Continued the trend. All right. Well, tell me what you think about this episode generally. Uh, Overall, I I, I think I enjoyed it. I mean, it was... uh, I'm not really sure exactly what happened, to tell you the truth. uh, I'm not sure a whole lot of anything really happened. What did you think about it? Well, I think plenty happened. What do you mean nothing happened? Um, I think that this episode started a bit slow. And for even arguably a good two-thirds of it, it was a lot of talking. It was a lot of talking about what we're going to do. It was relaying information to the audience about, um, for example, when Daniel was in there talking to Reed. You know, he was essentially interrogating him, but in kind of a nice way with the under the guise of treating his wounds. Um, but they were talking. We had Madison. She spent a lot of time talking with Strand and talking with Daniel and talking with Nick and what are we going to do now? And here's the plan and so on. Um, we had later on Travis and Alex talking to each other in their cell. We had a lot of Jack like training Alicia on how to identify boats on the radar and stuff like that. A lot of just talking amongst the characters. And I'm two thirds of the episode in and I'm thinking, well, is this is all great, but is anything ever going to happen? But then I've proven my point here. Okay, I know, but then I think by the end of it, I think the final third or the final act of this episode, when they get to the actual rescue and the prisoner exchange, I thought it was really good. I thought it was really well done. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I thought it was pretty tense. You know, us the audience knowing that that Reed is a zombie, and yes, that's a little bit problematic for some reasons I'll get into, but I thought it was fun. And I enjoyed, I enjoyed that last third or so of this episode quite a bit. And for me, not that the first two thirds were, were no good because I do think there was a lot of interesting or valuable information portrayed, but it totally paid off for me. And uh, so overall, I, I liked this episode quite a bit. Yeah, I, I don't think I liked it as much as you did. I mean, I, we, we did spend a lot of time talking in the beginning of the episode mm-hmm. and uh, investing in, uh, you know, the story of this episode. I, I think the in the investment we put in didn't quite pay off in the end for me. Okay. But, uh, you know, we've had this conversation many times about many different uh, movies and television where, uh, you know, I don't necessarily like the payoff. Uh, and I don't think that the the investment that you make at the beginning is worth uh, is is worth the payoff. And I think this might be, it's on the edge. It's it's on the edge of this. Like there was it was 
good, and I liked it when it uh, when it picked up at the end. But I just I don't think it quite uh, paid off the investment. Yeah, me. I, I mean, I, I I sort of think it did. I I, I see what your point though about <clears throat> like it took a long time, or the the opening scene even when uh, Connor is making a steak for Alicia, right. and um, like that scene felt really long to me. And I liked it when the pregnant lady just took it. Yeah. I mean, I thought that was entertaining. It, it was. I mean, it, it showed us what, you know, what she thinks of, of everybody, you know, she's sort of like, how dare you eat our food kind of, why are you even here? But, uh, th- the whole scene felt a little drawn out to me. Um, but the point of it was in the end to set the, set the setting really for where Alicia was. I mean, in a very literal sense, because she runs up on, on the deck of this dry dock boat and the camera swings around, which I thought was a really cool, big, I don't know if it was a crane or a drone shot or something as it, as it comes way out and pulls way back and you see the landscape and you see her standing on the bow of the boat. I thought that was really good, but you're right. The scene was a bit long. Um, but then after that, uh, Daniel talking to Reed, I thought was important. We learned that Reed is actually Connor's brother. We learned that, uh, what does he say? I think he said we have nine boats and a dozen men or something. Yep. Five boats. So, f- five boats and a dozen men, which, I mean, okay. I mean, maybe if, <laughs> if the Connor thing was drawn out a little more, that would be more important. But I think in the moment that was information that our group needed um, so that they could formulate a plan or formulate some kind of, or get some kind of idea of what they're up against. Right. Right. So I was, I was okay with that kind of stuff. Um, the, uh, there was only one conversation in the whole episode that I really thought was not very good. And it was the one where, uh, Maddie goes to talk to Chris after he shoots, uh, Reed. Chris is all upset. He's sitting there and the whole thing was just too on the nose for me. I think it was a scene that could have easily been cut out and the episode wouldn't have lost anything because Chris actually says to Madison, he goes, did I just screw it up? Were they going to trade him for my dad? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, um, yes, we know that and we get it. You don't have to point that out to us. So I don't know. I don't know why that was there. Really. It seemed like a kind of an unnecessary conversation between the two. And we already know that Chris is feeling um, conflicted about everything and just mad at everybody, right? Yeah. So that was it. But uh, but I think it did pay off. I think it did pay off pretty well. Um, the prisoner exchange was fun. And then seeing Alicia jump off the boat and slide down, that was pretty cool, I thought. That was pretty cool. You know, it was a bit of a bit of an action hero move for her. I thought she was going to go into the, uh, uh, the boat that was, like she jumped off into the water and then the... Uh the dinghy boat, what do you call that? Uh, the launch mm-hmm. was uh, was going to go by her. You ever watch uh, Navy SEALs get into a boat uh, being picked up after they uh, are in the ocean? No. Nope. Ever watch movies with Navy SEALs? Well, probably, but I can't think of a entering a boat scene. The boats do not slow down. Like, they sit in the water and they put their arm up as a hook, mm-hmm. and then somebody in the boat hooks their arm on them, and then the momentum of the boat uh, pulls them into the back of the, uh, in, into the back of the launch. Really? So there's, there's no slowing down. YouTube it. I mean, it's, it's, it's there. It's, it's actually really cool. And I was hoping that that would happen, that they wouldn't slow down at all. They just hook her arm and swing her into the back of the boat. That sounds like a good way to dislocate your shoulder or something. Oh, these, they're, they're Navy SEALs. They're fine. 
Well, those guys are fine, sure, but Alicia. Well, yeah, you wouldn't do it. Well, Alicia, maybe it's not the best idea, but for Navy SEALs, yeah. You know, if you need to, you know, get into Mother Ocean and then uh, get yourself into the back of a Zodiac, you that's exactly what you need to do. So is it kind of like that scene in one of the Lord of the Rings movies where uh, the the elf, he mounts a horse at full gallop without stopping it? Oh, uh, yeah, uh, the, uh, the rubber animated Legolas. Is that his name, Legolas? Yeah, the one with the with the bow and arrow. Yeah, yeah. Paris Hilton. No, what's his name? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, um, he. There's a scene where he, in slow motion, grabs a horse that's running by full speed and swings himself around up onto it. And I thought yeah. it was a really cool scene. Oh no, it's not. That's I, ridiculous. That was that was so far into the uncanny valley. It was sad. Well, it was flat, rubbery. It was really badly done. Okay, I don't. I'm not talking about the effects. I just the idea of it. I thought was pretty cool. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. Um, something similar happens in a movie I saw this weekend called Captain America: Civil War. Uh, but, uh, I, but I won't talk some about some kind of uncanny valley rubbery thing. Or are you talking about uh... nothing? Go see the movie. I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. So that being said. Um, I thought all that was really cool. The only thing about the prisoner exchange scene is, and you know, this may f- seem like a big criticism considering I just said I really liked it. Um, it felt to me that Connor and his guys there were just too easily taken by surprise and too easily bitten by one zombie. It's you know? the beginning of the zombie apocalypse. They I don't know. know how to deal with this crap. No, that's true. They don't know what they're doing yet. But like, I, it, it, the whole thing was just like, you know, Madison releases the zombie. He stumbles forward and Connor's going like, oh no, oh no, my brother. Oh no. Hey, stop biting me. Oh my God. Don't do that. And then they're dead. It's, I guess it's the beginning and they don't know how to deal with it. And maybe they don't expect somebody to use a zombie like that because everyone's so afraid of them, but it did feel a little too easy for, for that trick to work. If you know what I mean? Yeah. You know? So I guess they were just taken by surprise and didn't know what to do. (laughs) Well, I guess, and it's hard to, you know, if you haven't encountered a, a a zombie as a weapon before it Mm -hmm. might be, and it's your brother, it might be a little shocking. Yeah. Like if your sister, if you're trying, you're trying to get your sister back from being kidnapped and then somebody all of a sudden pulls the hood off her head and uh, her head is, you know, missing, you're going to be shocked. You're going to be shocked and a little bit uh, horrified. Mm-hmm. Now imagine that uh, not only is her head missing, but she's attacking you. I mean, sure, that'd be very scary and disorienting. I'm sure you'd be, uh, you know, you'd be in a little bit of a shock and maybe you're not good at, uh, at uh, reacting coherently under pressure yeah yeah no for sure i mean it would be shocking but i mean wouldn't your instinct be to just like stumble backwards or something like i don't know it just seemed like they he stood there and said oh no my brother come give me a hug oh my god you're a zombie and you're biting my arm so right um so there's two two types of people people that uh, uh when under pressure they focus right and are able to react and other people when they're under pressure they crack and they can't do anything and Connor is a cracker? I guess he's a cracker. He's a pressure cracker. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> so some, some people are a pre- pre- pressure focuser. Okay, well, he's I a think, cracker. Uh, I think Madison is a pressure focuser. I think Rick is a pressure focuser. I th- uh, you know, and 
the zombie apocalypse is going to weed out those people that crack under pressure because they're going to get them at their asses bit. Yeah. So I think uh, we're going to see a few of those people now because it's the beginning of the zombie apocalypse. Whereas, you know, a year or two down the road, all those people are going to end up dead one way or the other. They're all gone. And all we have is the pressure focusers left. That's right. The PFs. The PFs. The, the, yeah, the PFs. Um, I also thought the uh, this the special effect, like the fake bit of his arm that he bit off, kind of looked not so great. Um, but... Again, I, I don't know why I can sort of let that slide. Maybe it's maybe it's the idea of this scene that I liked more than the actual execution. It could be. Um, because, you know, prisoner exchange, it's not like that's never happened before. You see that in movies and TV shows all the time. It's, yeah, you think as, as a race, we'd be good at it by now. Yeah, you'd think you'd know exactly what to do, right? Yeah. Um, but but maybe the introduction of, of the zombie and the fact that we knew the audience knew that it was a zombie. I maybe sort of made it work for me because I was like, oh my God, you guys are screwed. Don't, you know, don't just take that hood off. You, you don't know what's under there. Um, so I don't know. I mean, the more I talk about it, yeah, sort of the execution was a bit, uh, was a bit funny, but the idea worked for me and it, it, rat, it ratcheted up the tension a bit of the scene knowing it was a zombie. I wonder though, if somehow they did it so that the audience didn't know Reed had died and come back. And we're thinking that, oh, they're just going to exchange everything. They'll be fine. And then hood off. Big surprise. Would that have been better or worse? I don't know. It could have been. It could have been better or worse. <laughs> Thanks. Good Way to take a <laughs> way to get off the fence. Yeah. Good opinion. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Um, now, I also think this episode was a pretty strong one for Madison because, you know, she basically makes all the decisions in this and she takes charge. She does. Um, this episode should have been called Maddie in Charge. That's right. That would have worked. I want Maddie in charge of me. <laughs> We're going to have to play the TV theme show song with you again someday. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, she makes all the decisions. She dealt with Strand as he recovered. Uh, you know, she kind of dealt with uh, Luis there too, who came in at one point and said, you know, was questioning taking all these people to Mexico and how are we ever going to get them all across the border? And she was the one who said, forget it. We're going back for my family. You know, she's, she's not taking any BS from anybody. Um, she was telling Nick what to do, even when Nick was saying, I'll go, I'll take the zombie to the exchange. And uh, she just, she just did everything. I think this was a big, a big episode for uh, Madison as a character. Finally, finally taking charge and not, you know, sort of submitting to other people's will. Like, uh, not that she really has, but a lot of the characters sort of have, you know, Strand is, has ruled the day for a little while on this boat. Yeah, he, he has. And I, I like it that uh, Madison has, uh, has really taken, uh, you know, taken a, a you know, step, stepped up and taken charge. Yeah. Like, and she's taken her rightful place at the head of this group. Mm-hmm. I, I totally agree. And uh, I've been sort of waiting for that to happen almost. I mean, she was, cast as a as a main character and you think this is going to be the leader character and now that that sort of uh character trait has been passed around a little bit on this show i think we've seen travis do leadership things believe it or not i think we've seen nick do the odd thing once in a while he's sort of been able to do stuff and um madison too but this episode really felt like her you know, that character's chance to shine a little bit here. So yeah. it worked for me. And I, and I kind of hope they keep going with that because I like the character and I'm I like sure how she's, 
I'm, I like how she's able to be like, no, we're doing it my way. I don't care if this is your boat. You're the one who abandoned it, you know, yep. five minutes ago. So yeah. Maritime law. It's her boat now. Well, that's right. If the captain leaves, you take over as the captain. Is that how it works? Well, if you find a derelict boat with no crew uh, and the cat and everybody's abandoned it, it's yours. It's salvage law. You know, you get to salvage the sucker. Is that actually true? I believe it is. Well, you know, I'm not a maritime lawyer in any by any way stretch of the imagination, but uh, <laughs> I believe I've heard such things on TV. Oh, well, it must be true then. <laughs> yeah. The TV, internet said so. TV wouldn't lie to me. TV <laughs> no, loves no. me. <laughs> of course. I hug my TV every night before I go to bed. Good night, TV. Stevie. Good night, Stevie. <laughs> <laughs> That's my TV Stevie right there. Stevie the TV. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Um, All right. What about Alicia? In this episode, she played a big part. She was the one who was, well, she wasn't really held captive. I guess Travis was more captive, but she was with Connor and the gang. And she develops this idea or this plan to escape with Jack. But I'm wondering, was she being genuine or was she just using Jack to, one, gather information and, two, formulate an easier escape plan? Ah. Good I think question. she was using him. I don't I don't think I think she was uh going along to get along. She was uh you know doing what she had to do in order to uh further her objective which was to save her and make sure her family was uh was safe. Yeah, save her and Travis. I I feel like they dedicated a lot of screen time though to those two in you know the cockpit of that boat using the radar and looking at boats and like why spend all that time um, showing Jack kind of training her to identify boats and identify targets for them when it seems like the whole Connor, you know, group plot line is done and wrapped up. Like I know not everyone's dead, but Connor's dead and uh, they got their people back and they've left. So it does feel like that's kind of all wrapped up and, all that info was sort of for naught, but I guess, I guess the idea was Alicia needed to identify the Abigail even by accident on the uh, on the radar, so she, she kind of had to had to do that. Um, but what I wanted to say is that I'm really glad that at the end, after she jumped off the boat and Jack was standing there, that she left. Like I'm glad she didn't try to convince him, "Jump with me, you can come." I think that proves that she was essentially using him just to escape. Well, I don't know if she. That's necessarily true. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a little surprised that he didn't jump too. Like, and, you and know, just try to follow her? Just try to follow her. I mean, uh, pretty girls that are interested in you are probably pretty hard to come by in the zombie apocalypse. And uh, chances are I'd jump. If I was I in know. my early 20s and, a, uh, you know, there was a chance of hanging out with a pretty girl for a while, I might, I might <laughs> yeah. jump. Yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying, but I think... I think in that moment, um, Jack is standing there and he realizes that there was nothing really genuine about Alicia's feelings for him. And she was just using him to get out of there. And, and if she really wanted him to come along, she would have said, come with me now. We can escape. You know, yeah. your, your group is falling apart. There's nothing for you here anymore. Come with me. But she didn't. He just said, well, aren't we going? And she turned around, turned around and left. So... I think he was standing there going, you know, she used me, and uh, why would I want to follow after that? What a bitch. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> it's a zombie apocalypse, Jason. You got to do what you got to do. Yeah. So, and, you know, if that means, uh, if 
that means using your your new boyfriend for for an escape plan. That's what you got to do. Yeah, I guess so. Um, but I kind of liked it. I kind of liked the when the, the you know the final shot where she's sitting in the boat and they're driving away and she looks back at him and uh, kind of just a sorry blank expression on her face almost. Yeah, it was good. Uh, all right, so we should probably talk about Travis and Alex and everything that happens in the cell. Um, what we learn here is that Alex was picked up by Connor's gang, and then she was the one who sold out the Abigail and said, I know this boat where there's good stuff and uh, you know lots of things you might want, so you should go after it. And that's how they found them. Um, that, okay, so we need to talk about this because sure. this, uh, I'm not sure that that makes sense to me. Okay. Because wasn't Alicia talking to the guy before they found her in I, the uh, lifeboat? Yes, but I think that's just a coincidence. So Alicia was talking to Jack and. But wasn't Jack's whole purpose for talking on the radio to reel in victims? It was. Um, so what was he doing on the horn then if, uh, he wasn't interested in reeling them in? Like he would have identified them before he ever opened his mouth. He would have identified them as a midsize, uh, ship that they would have been interested in. No, you're absolutely right. So I think the process was already underway and then maybe Connor picked up Alex and she said, um, yeah, that's a boat you want to go after because they have this, this, and this, and they were assholes to me. Okay. I mean, you're right. It does seem like, again, it's a, it's a sort of a timing problem where they were already pursuing the Abigail, but it seems like they tried to imply on the show here that Alex is the one that pointed them in that direction, which would have happened after. So, you know, I was going to say that it's not really Alicia's fault after all, but maybe it still kind of is her fault. Yeah. So I just, it doesn't make any sense. Like when they picked her up, uh, what was the lady's name that it was in the boat? Uh, which lady? The lady that was in the boat that said that uh, I sent them after the Abigail. I gave Alex. Them the, Alex. Yeah. Sorry. I'm just I've only like, said it like 20 times. I know. It's a senior moment. It's fine. <laughs> okay. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so Alex is, uh, you know, what do you have to offer when they found her in the uh, in the life raft? She said, I can give you the, the Abigail. And yes. Said, Wouldn't they just say, we already got that? Like, that's something we're already interested in. Well, they don't know it's called the Abigail. Oh, well. You're right. If they put two and two together, she's like, it was here, and they know on the radio or radar where it is, then yeah, maybe they figure it out. It just it doesn't make any sense to me that uh, she was responsible. Alex was re- responsible for um, giving the Abigail to this uh, this group of people. It just it, it happened before they met Alex. It did. And I mean, maybe Alex just doesn't know that though. Maybe she gets on there and like you said, they say, what can you do for us? And she says, well, I'll, I'll tell you about this boat. And, and they already know, but maybe she doesn't realize that maybe sort of, um, and I'm just speculating, you know, maybe Connor and his gang didn't, didn't tell her, didn't give her all the information. Um, but you're right. The timeline doesn't really work out, but I, here's, here's what I think is going on. I'm going to read an email here from Sally on the internet because she brings something up. She says, Alex just sort of shows up, makes Travis feel guilty, then disappears again. What purpose did she serve other than to tell us she gave away the Abigail's position? I get the feeling she is the one who turns into the next Negan or governor type. So 
what Sally is saying is that they're setting up Alex to kind of be a villain for this season. We all thought it was going to be Connor and his gang, but you know, that's kind of wrapped up because Connor's dead and they've got their people back, but Alex is still out there, right? They didn't take her with her. We didn't see what happened to her. As far as we know, she's still hanging around on that dry dock ship and pissed off at them. Yep. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't add up for me. Well, I, I, that's what I'm saying. Like it, it doesn't necessarily add up the fact that she is the one who gave away their position. But if you ignore that for a second, which I know you shouldn't have to do totally, <laughs> but if you ignore that for a second, Alex looks like the bad guy here. Right. And she's the one who was wronged by our characters pretty severely. Yeah. So they're setting her up to want revenge to want to come back and get back at them somehow. And she, she, she thought she did that by giving away their position to Connor, but maybe that's not all that we're going to see ever. And maybe, you know, contrary to everyone's assumption that she would join the cast as a regular character, as a friendly character, maybe she's going to join the cast now as a, a villain character. Or maybe both. Or maybe both. She'll join the cast as a regular character who's, some, who's someone we love to hate. <laughs> yeah, I don't think she's going to be friendly to the characters, though. But we may love to hate her. I don't know. Like Ben on Lost. Uh, we hated yeah. him so much at the beginning. That's but then true. He was such an awesome dude. <laughs> it's true. You just—it's all about perspective, I guess. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It just—I—I I, I just don't understand why this group of people would uh, accept except her giving them the Abigail as a chip for letting them into their group. It just, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't seem to have any worth for me. You're right. I don't know. Maybe she had some other, something else to offer, but we don't know what that is necessarily right now. But uh, if that's the case, I mean, what are we supposed to do? That's kind of a failing of, uh, of the storytelling a little bit, if that doesn't make sense. Maybe she had a big brick of hash. She's like, I got this, friggin' bunch of hash here and they're like yeah come on board come on always in. use some more hash connor seems like the kind of guy that might be into that i don't know yeah. i don't know we barely got to know him who knows right. um one other thing about the whole that that whole part of the episode was travis so the first time we see travis in that cell which he spends you know a good portion of the episode in um there was some there was one thing i didn't understand right at the beginning he picks up a book that's in the cell and he appears to take something out of it and then try to open the lock with it. And I didn't understand what he was doing there and what he found inside the book. And it looks like you may not have even noticed. No, I didn't even, I don't know what's going on there. Well, I don't know. He picks up a book, pulls something, what looks like pull uh, something out of the spine of the book and then goes and starts fiddling with the door. So I'm, I don't know what it was. I didn't recognize the book, but I feel like I just missed something. So, if there's a listener out there who kind of gets what was happening there, tell me I'm dumb and then explain it to me. Yeah, we I'm need okay. help. I'm okay with we that. We need to crowdsource this sucker. <laughs> Occasionally you do. Occasionally you do. I watched it twice. I'm like, nope, doesn't make sense either time. So <laughs> I don't know what was going on there. Um, but Travis's whole story about, you know, doing difficult things and he, he explained to Alex how he had to, you know, kill Chris's mother kind of thing and you know that was hard uh that just sort of rang back to the whole yeah the zombie apocalypse is hard but you have to do what you have to do uh theme that we've seen a million times so yeah. 
I don't think that really persuaded Alex sort of over to his side in any way, but I think that's what he was going for. Yep. So, um, okay. A couple more points I have, and if there's anything else you got, feel free to jump in. But, uh, Daniel hearing voices, what do you think that is all about? So when he was, when he was, um, when was it? It was towards the end of the episode. I think after Reed had been shot by Chris, um, he hears someone say, take the gun, Daniel, take the gun. And nobody's around. And he kind of looks around, you know, all confused. And then Ophelia walks in and that's it. So that is something interesting that I'm pretty sure we're going to find out more about. But it was just a little sprinkle in this episode. And I'm like, hey, just a, just a, just a, a pinch of mystery voices. And I was like, ooh, there's something going on there. Yeah, I thought, uh, I, I found that a little, uh, very interesting. And I'm excited about the uh, possibilities of where they're going to take that. Do you think it's just the sort of skeletons in his closet of being a torturer or a, an interrogator from, from a past life? And, um, you know, it's just part of, part of who he is now. But it's funny that it, you know, hasn't come up until this point. No, it hasn't. And it, I, I think it's going to be... Uh... I think it's going to be cool. I don't know what it is yet. Yeah. Whether he's actually completely unhinged or whether it's, uh, I don't know, maybe it's somebody hiding in the closet. <laughs> there actually was somebody in there. <laughs> he's been on the boat the whole time. That's right. And he's just trying to say, take the gun, Daniel. Take it's the a gun. ninja. That's right. Can't see him. He can he can scale sheer walls and right. never be found. So I don't know. I think that is interesting though. And it's the kind of thing they've just dropped in that, um, you know, maybe that's going to be like a really long storyline that they're going to, you know, he won't hear another voice for eight more episodes. And then again in season four or something, and then we'll finally find out what's going on in season eight. See, that would be a disappointing way of doing it. <laughs> it I think really we need would. to build on this. I mean, sure. Slowly would be okay. I mean, even if you skip an episode or two, that's fine. But, uh, if you're going to make this into a thing, you better make it into a thing so that it's a thing. Yeah. Don't tease us. Show us the thing right away. Yeah, because these kind of things, if they don't end up being a uh, a story arc, tend to get forgotten. You know, as uh, different things happen in the writing room, it's like, hey, you remember that uh, thing we put in that episode there where he was hearing voices? Whatever happened to that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Shit, I forgot about that. Should probably bring that back someday. Uh, I got something else I got to work on now. You know what, though, man? I really feel like this ep- this show... Um, has a plan. I feel like, and this is just a side note that I feel like the writers and the Dave Erickson and everybody involved actually have a plan for this show and for where this storyline is going. And I know shows always do. I mean, you can't run a episodic TV series and not have some kind of a plan, but. Oh yes, uh, you can. I, I, Look at I, Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> they didn't have a plan. They even said they did. They, right? they didn't. Well, they said they didn't. Right? No, no. <laughs> the whole opening oh yeah, the the uh, thing yeah, was... they have a plan. That was you know the characters have a plan, but I don't think the writers had a plan. Okay, well I I don't know. I I'm think saying... coming on the the last season, they were like, holy shit, how are we going to wrap this thing up? I, I... know angels. <laughs> yeah, well, I was one of the people that didn't hate the end of Battlestar Galactica, oh, but God. that's a different podcast. Wrong. Um, I also didn't hate the end of Lost, and uh, I, like I didn't. Oh, most people hated it. Oh, they're stupid. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't hate the end of Battlestar either. 
anyways, all I'm trying to say is it's, you can't have, you can't be completely devoid of plan if you are running a TV show, I wouldn't think, but I feel like there's enough through line thematically in these episodes and sort of, you know, hints as to where it's going. And I'm sure people out there disagree with me when it comes to fear the walking dead, but from what I can tell, I feel like they've got something going here. And so they're not going to forget about Daniel's voices. First of all, I think that's where this started, but, uh, um, yeah, I think I'm looking forward to what's going to happen because I feel like it's all going to come together in the end. Good. So that's good. Um, one more thing, Chris, uh, what do you think? Did he kill Reed or did Reed die? And was Chris honestly trying to prevent him from coming back? I think he died. I think he, really? I think, yeah, I think it was, uh, an honest, uh, we have to, uh, we have to kill them because that's what happened to his mom. Right. Uh-huh. They had to, they had to kill her to prevent her from coming back. So that's what they do now. So I think that you can't have freaking spikes sticking through them. For hours. Yeah. He did seem to survive for a long time with that spike. I mean, you can take, you can take a, a, you can get stabbed in the gut and survive for a while, but you're going to get sepsis and eventually die. And they didn't take that spike out. Like that damn thing was sitting inside of him and they even grabbed it and moved it around a little bit to cause him a little bit more pain. So yeah, I'm not surprised that he died. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not surprised he died, but, um, I, I think taking the spike out would have hastened his death, Probably. right? If if you're stabbed with a knife or something like that, sometimes it's best to just leave it there and then let a professional a professional surgeon, <laughs> let a surgeon or, or somebody take it out. So if you have a spike through your body, taking it out, I think is just worse. So I think maybe he'd survive a little longer by leaving it in, but you're right. Not many people survive for long without expert medical attention when they have a giant crowbar through their belly. Yeah, or crowbar through any body part really or anything yeah exactly so um that's that's interesting though i sort of think most people feel that that chris cold-blooded murdered the guy because he was so angry i mean they set chris up to be really pissed off you know he's pissed off at the world because his mother didn't survive um and then you know he's just mad at this reed guy for taking over the boat he feels guilty about letting him on the boat he even said as much right i should have pulled the trigger and and then, you know, he's just, <laughs> Reed was just a dick to everybody. So right. <laughs> in the worst way. So Chris, I think was feeling like he deserved this, but, uh, could be, could go either way, really. Um, well, uh, maybe he, maybe he just, maybe he actually died and Chris was trying, Chris made a really poor attempt at shooting him in the head. Right. Well, yeah, yeah. That was gross. I thought that makeup was really well done. That makeup was great. I thought so too. Nice big hole in his cheek. Yeah, that was nice. Um, it's important to to realize here, and I've been, I was thinking about this earlier t- earlier today, about uh, my theories so far on this season of uh, Fear of the Walking Dead have been one hundred percent wrong. Okay, every single thing I've thought that had any kind of question to it whatsoever, I've been wrong. Hmm. So I such, think such as the dinner for schmucks. <laughs> uh, well, that's still up in the air. Okay, you're right. That's technically still out there. Yeah, that's uh, still out there. It's about, uh, what's his name? I thought he was going to be a good guy and not one of the pirates. I thought it was too early in the apocalypse for people to be manipulating radio traffic in order to sucker in boats. Right, Jack, uh, yeah. Yeah, Jack. I uh, I was way wrong about that. Uh, what else was I wrong about? Well, yeah. I, I would argue that the dinner for schmucks theory was wrong. 
well, even if it Not wasn't yet. necessarily in 100% serious. I still have hopes. <laughs> okay, fine. I still have hopes. My hope is not dead yet. Yeah. Uh, but Jack being a good guy uh, and going to show up and save them from the pirates. Mm. Not so much. Uh, not so much. So, yeah, my track record so far this season is uh, is abysmal. It's even uh, mathematically improbable. Mm-hmm. You know, even you, you throw enough, you, a blind man throwing a dart at a dartboard every once in a while will hit the bullseye. Absolutely. So far. I've been the blind man throwing darts at a dartboard, and I haven't hit no bullseye. And you've been facing the wrong way the whole time. Yes. <laughs> but you know what, Jason? It's okay, because you have proven your Walking Dead theorizing abilities in the past. Do you remember way back in, I don't know if it was season four of the main show, we saw uh, we saw that woman um, in, I think, in the trailer behind Rick and everyone assumed, well, that's a zombie. And you said, I don't think it is a zombie. And it turned out not to be. It was the crazy lady with uh, yeah, yeah. her husband's head in the bag. Yeah. See, you called once that. Once in a while, you hit a bullseye. That's right. You called Throwing that. Throwing off darts at the dartboard, you're going to get something right eventually. All right. Well, well not not so far this season. <laughs> no. Well, that's okay. You'll you'll get back into the swing of things, I'm sure. So, But I am absolutely positive, which is a sign that I'm wrong, by the mm-hmm. way, uh, that, uh, that he... Uh, that Chris killed him uh, in order to uh, prevent him from turning. That he Got was it. dead. He was dead already. He didn't uh, murder him. He prevented him from uh, from turning. And he just did a piss poor job by shooting him in the cheek. Well, yeah. Right. Okay. Um, what it comes down to for me is that uh, whether he did it or not, I think Chris, you know, contrary to what, if you'd asked me this like four weeks ago, um, who's going to be the most interesting character on this show? I don't think Chris would have even crossed my mind, but he's turning out to be one of the more conflicted and interesting characters. And they're giving him these tough things to do. And I think slowly turning him into a pretty um, solid, uh, hardened kind of zombie apocalypse survivor. And I wonder if Chris is going to be one of the characters that lasts a long time on this show. Uh, just for those reasons, you know, he's had to do some of the hardest stuff as a character, I think. He, yeah, very hard stuff as a you character. Know? I mean, this is the, uh, well, if, if, if Reed wasn't dead and he tried to kill Reed, this is the second living person in a few episodes that Chris has had to kill. And one of them, he had to bash, you know, repeatedly with a stick, not even use a gun. So if if Chris doesn't turn into like a badass survivor, he's going to turn into a crazy damaged psychopath <laughs> one way or the other. I don't know. Um, if not both. Yeah. If not both. Because look at, look at Rick. He's kind of both. He's kind of both. Look at Carol. She's really both. Well, maybe you have to be both. So Chris could be our, our long-term survivor on this show. I don't know. I think it's interesting what they're doing. Okay. Anyways, um, I think this, uh, to go back to my original question, I think this episode, Jason, was pretty solid. I think it was another good episode in a, in a string of uh, pretty good episodes for season two of this show. And uh, I'm, I'm happy. This season two of Fear the Walking Dead so far has been cons- more consistently good than the first half of season six of the main show. I don't know if that's a controversial statement or not, but... I think I believe it. Not with me. I do believe it. Yeah, the uh, the the crowd in my head all agree with you. <laughs> Each and every one of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, there's a couple of dissensions, but they're not really no- noteworthy. Okay. They're we statistically insignificant. Okay. Um, I don't know. I mean, let us know if, if that's a crazy opinion on my part. I, I'd like to, to know what other people think. I mean, this season has by no means been perfect. Uh, it has had some problems, most of them in the uh, time frame department. But overall, it's been really good. And I'm I'm happy that it's been so good. So we've got a couple more episodes before the break. Uh, let's hope they can keep it together and we can go out really strong and uh, and really look forward to the second half of the season. I uh, I think I think so too. I think it was a strong episode uh, overall. I think it took a while to 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 get there, and uh, it almost paid off for me, which is you know that's okay. Yeah, the almost payoff is not quite as good as the actual payoff, but it's still better than the lack of payoff. That's true. It's <laughs> right? So very true. <laughs> All right. Uh, let us know what you think. Send your emails to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail dot com, um, or or go to our our uh, website and uh, send us a voicemail. That would be great too. So we will take a short break. And when we come back to a little bit of listener feedback and then get into a special segment at the end where you guys get to choose the name for Jason's upcoming baby. <laughs> That's not quite right. <laughs> no, it's almost right. Suggest it's just not quite there. Suggest names. Is that right? Yeah, I you think, can suggest all you want. I think that's closer. All yeah, right. Being uh, able to actually choose, you know, it's not up to me alone. <laughs> sure. Let's if we, say. If we could get your wife on here, though, then, you know, maybe you guys could come to an agreement on the air. That'd be exciting. Yeah. I don't see I it happening. Pretty much, I can, I can actually give you a guarantee here. <laughs> that's not going to happen. Yeah. I can guarantee you that any name that is chosen here in this forum probably will not be the name that we use. I love how the word probably is used in a guarantee. Yes, not a guarantee. (laughs) You never know, Jason. (laughs) You never know what people are going to come up with. Anyways, we will be right back after this short break. Two jumps in a week But you think that's pretty clever Don't you, boy Flying on your motorcycle Watching on to help out the Talking Dead podcast, there's a couple of easy peasy ways you can do that. First of all, visit us on Patreon at patreon.com slash the talking dead, where you can make a small monthly pledge. And uh, each month, a little bit of your hard earned cash, which I know is hard earned, but uh, we appreciate you sending a bit our way. And it'll come to us and just goes right into the cost of putting on the podcast. Um, if that's not your thing, you can also use our Amazon links by checking out TalkingDeadPodcast.com slash Amazon and clicking on the country of your choice. When you do that, every purchase you make at Amazon 
Um, a tiny little cut comes back to us, and it doesn't cost you an extra penny. So it's a nice, quick, invisible way to help us out. And we really appreciate all the support from all the listeners. Listener feedback. All right. So we have some listener feedback now for season two, episode five of Fear the Walking Dead. Um, And our first one here is a call from Designer Will on the internet. Hey, guys. Designer Will calling in with some feedback for the captive episode of Fear the Walking Dead. I thought Chris and Alicia were their dumb emotional selves making frustrating decisions. Maddie acting like she's more capable than her son, Nick. And Connor's group. It's been, what, a month? And we have people capturing people acting like pirates. Just seems a little bit weird. Uh, Nobody from our group died or got hurt, of course. They escaped a fairly difficult situation as if it was nothing. And what about Reed's just-in-time zombie? To full Connor. This was not very believable. And how small could this world be? The fact that Travis got confronted by Alex in the cell. Just not a whole lot of believability in this episode, gotta say. Hopefully next week's will be better. This is the first one this season that I really didn't like. So if we could get back on track and get it feeling more like The Walking Dead or Fear the Walking Dead, that is. That'd be fantastic. Anyway, interested to see what you guys think. Thanks, Designer Will. So if you've been listening up until this point, <laughs> you could probably tell that <laughs> for the most part, I think I, I disagree with you. Um, sure, it feels like a small world, maybe to have Alex there. Um, but I think what they did in this episode really effectively, one of the things anyways, was show that even though we have this group who is hunting down boats for supplies and seem in some ways to be reasonably well organized at it, they're still not really. And they still really don't know what they're doing and they don't know what to expect. And as soon as they're presented with some kind of adversity, it just all fell apart. And I think that's the thing that was kind of realistic about what was going on with Connor and his group in this episode that sure it's worked for a week, right? They've been doing this for what, a week maybe? And like it's worked for a week and they've gotten a little bit of stuff, but it didn't take long for it all to fall apart. And that's, um, I think that's really what would happen. Only the, only the smartest and maybe luckiest groups would be able to continue doing something like that long-term. Yeah. They, they, they look like they sort of have it together, but they really don't. No. And clearly they didn't and it's done for them now. And, you know, I think we are following the group that is going to have it together the most. I mean, obviously our characters have to somewhat know what they're doing to survive or at least be able to figure it out without getting all killed. So, um, yeah, I think in that respect, it, it kind of worked for me that Connor was there. Now he's not. And that's all. Um, we have another call here from joy in Chino, California. 
Hey, Chris and Jason, this is Joy in Chico, California. Holy crap, I, my daughter just pointed out Jesse McCartney is playing Reed, the mean brother. I can't even recognize him. Thanks, you guys are great. Bye. Sorry, Joy, I got your uh, your city wrong there. But uh, Jesse McCartney, do you know who that is, Jason? I do not, Chris. <laughs> Either do I, I, I must admit. Uh, I knew the actor was named Jesse McCartney. Apparently he's like a kind of a big deal though. Like I think he's a, a singer, you know, a pop star of some kind, but also a voice actor and a, and an actor. So he's, he does a lot of stuff, but I didn't know who he was. I still don't. No, I still don't <laughs> really either. Um, but uh, yeah, apparently he's a, he's a big deal. And uh, so he was on the show, but now he's not. Jesse McCartney. I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah. I don't think there's any relation to Paul McCartney, but you never know. McCartney's probably not that unusual a name. All right. Well, while you are looking that up, I've got an email here from Rena on the internet. And Rena says, how much time passed between Strand cutting the rope? Another time problem here, Jason. I hate to tell oh, you. Yeah, I love how, it. How much time passed between Strand cutting the rope and Alicia's BFF boarding the Abigail? I thought it was less than a day. But she's talking about how Burnface was dying of thirst and she had to kill him. And then when those people found her, she was close to death herself. But the group gave them some food and water when they were towing the raft and they'd already survived out there for about two weeks with whatever supplies they could scavenge from the plane. So did a significant amount of time pass between episodes three and four? Or did Alex forget how to survive like she did for the past two weeks and suddenly start to die of dehydration and starvation? Yeah, it's a problem. We got, we got a time jump. No, well, I, slippage. I, it's just, it's slippage. It happens to all of us. We got some time slippage. I Sometimes guess. it slips and we don't have enough time. That's usually the problem. Uh -huh. Sometimes it, uh, time just seems to drag on and we seem to have more time than uh, is reasonable. Well, something is going on with time in this because Rena's absolutely right. Like, Strand cuts the rope. And it's a day. It's like a, it feels like a day later that all this stuff is happening. Yet she had all this time for um, the kid, crap, whose name I forget now, but for the kid to die, burn face, as Rena says. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, she has these supplies. I mean, I guess she just took a bath in the water they gave her instead of drinking it or conserving it. I don't know. Um, it's it's a problem. So I really kind of want to stop focusing on the time problems, but they just keep jumping out at us like this. Yeah. What can you do? Uh, next up, Adam in Texas writes, I loved Daniel's line, quote, in my time, I've known men who inspire fear. Do you know what they have in common? They never say how frightening they are. That was a and, really good line. Quote, really great line. Adam says that was badass. I also love that they're teasing some ghosts from Daniel's past as an interrogator. So, um, Fantastic line. They're if also, really... it's also uh, very telling that he is a, he inspires fear because he didn't say how fearful he was. Absolutely. He just implied it. Well, that's right. If you truly are frightening, people know you don't have to tell them you need to be afraid of me. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's great. It's amazing that he would say that, but also just be the most frightening guy there is. So really, really good writing there. I got to say. Uh, Noop J on the internet writes, so why not gag zombie Reed? It would make it more plausible for Connor to buy the deception if Reed's not hissing and gurgling like, uh, like, uh, what are we calling them on this show? 
Um, here's the problem with that. I thought of that too. Like, okay, so Madison walks up, she's got a hood over a zombie's head. Um, wouldn't they hear him like moaning and groaning and making all sorts of zombie noises and be like, Hey, something's up here. That would just add to my problem of them, you know, not them being taken by surprise too much. But, uh, if you gag the zombie, how's he going to bite, uh, Connor? That's the problem. Yeah. You just have to ask him to be quiet. Just be very, very quiet, Mr. Zombie Man. Yeah. It's, uh, it's very important that you pretend that you're not a zombie for a little while so that you can bite and kill your brother, because that'd be cool. Yep. I think you just, if you're going to do something like this, you just have to get a little bit lucky, and the zombie quiets down for a minute. And, you know, some of the biggest heroes in all of fiction are the lucky ones. Yeah. Han, Han Solo wouldn't have gotten so far if he wasn't just a lucky guy, right? Yeah, he's got a very high... That's why he's strong in the Force. I know you and I disagree on this. Han Solo uh, does not use the Force. He's just lucky. (laughs) Right. So we agree then. Indiana... No. You think... Oh, forget it. Indiana Jones, lucky character, right? Uh, Indiana Jones uh, does have uh, a lot of luck. Exactly. A lot of it has to do with his hat. (laughs) His whip. Lucky hat, lucky whip. No matter what happens, he's going to end up with his hat and his whip. Madison is a lucky character, and she got lucky by having her zombie pal be quiet for a second or a long enough to, you know, throw him at throw him at Connor. Yeah. So it's okay, but you can't gag the zombie because then you throw a gagged zombie at someone and it can't do anything, and then you're, you know, probably more screwed. So Well, here, here's the thing that's going to bake your apple. You have to be willing to be lucky in order to be successful. Yeah, you have to, well... No, here's, well, okay, maybe, but here's the, here's the way I hear it. You've got to be good to be lucky and you have to be lucky to be good. That's right. Right. That's, uh, that comes from my, uh, my love of hockey. I've always, I've heard it. Hockey announcers say about goalies, you know, the best goalies in the world are, are the lucky ones, but you've got to be good to be lucky and lucky to be good. Yep. So Madison is both. And I just it's made all, up that uh, that phrase. Uh, this will really bake your apple. It's pretty good. I just made that um, just made that up. Well, everybody out there, start using it. Make that a thing, and uh, we can credit Jason as coining a phrase. I'd really appreciate that. Bake your apple. Uh, okay, who on the internet writes? Okay, okay, okay. So I get that it's the start of the zombie apocalypse thingy, but damn, Connor was so unprepared for this. He should have stuck to making pan-fried steaks and tasty-looking salads. Yeah. (laughs) You know, maybe he's not, like, the leader. Maybe he's the chef of the group. Well, that's what he said. He said he, he, you know, he cooked a a lot of meals for a lot of of sailors. mm Mm-hmm. I guess so. Well, he makes him the leader? I guess so. I guess so. He should stick to what he's good at. Um, finally, Chris, our resident Torontonian in Philly says, while I was watching this episode and Chris shot Reed, I was thinking that the bullet hole was in his cheek and technically might not have destroyed his brain. I'm glad they paid attention to detail in the show and differentiated between a proper zombie kill and a failed one. Sometimes it is frustrating to see them bop a zombie over the head with a dull object and they are assumed to be dead despite no puncture wounds to the skull. Um, I agree. It would have annoyed me profusely if uh, Reed had ended up being just dead and didn't reanimate because that gunshot wound 
really, really didn't look like it went through his brain at all. No, no, that was a cheek shot for sure. Yes. So, I mean, is Chris just bad with the gun? Or, you know, that's another question. Like, why would he, why would he shoot him through the cheek and assume he's dead? Does he not know you have to shoot in the brain? I don't think so. I think he, do, I think he knows that. He does. And he, you know, uh, maybe he just was hoping that he had uh, successfully hit his mark. And in <laughs> fact, he really didn't. Maybe you can just chalk it up to the whole, it's my first day problem. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I know I uh, screwed up royally, but it's my first day. I shot him in the face. It's yeah, my yeah. first day. <laughs> That'll do. Why not? <laughs> All right. Thanks. Uh, not not as much uh, feedback on this episode as, as we normally get, but uh, thank you to those who did call and write in. Um, and of course, continue sending in uh, in your messages. And when we look back at this episode uh, next week, we will uh, we'll have a little bit more. Um, I'm not sure if the lack of feedback indicates that people didn't like this episode much or really did like it. I'm not sure. It could go either way, I think. So let us know. All right, Jason, the time has come. Before we end the episode, oh, yeah, right. we're going to, we are going to talk about baby names a little bit. Now, for everyone listening, if this is not your cup of tea, I totally understand that. Um, feel free to drop out now. Thank you so much for listening this week and tune in again next week when we talk, talk about episode number six, which is the second to last one before the break. Um, but if you want to stick around uh, for the rest of this episode, which shouldn't take too long, we are going to chat about the names that all of you <laughs> suggested for <laughs> Jason's upcoming uh, upcoming child. <laughs> we don't know if it's a girl or a boy. We do not. And I don't even know if it's you're a girl not, or a boy. You are not going to find out. So people sent in a number of uh, suggestions. And uh, I, you know, there's definitely a theme running through here. I'd, I'd even say there's a couple of themes. That's good. <laughs> and you may, you may be able to figure those out. Um, anyways, uh, if you're still listening, here come some baby names. And uh, the first one is actually a call. Oh, good. <laughs> from Claudia in London. Hi, hello, guys. Uh, he's Claudia from London. Uh, just a suggestion for... Jason's baby name and congratulations by the way. Uh if it's a boy, because we are gamers, I, I'm sure you guys play games. Uh if it's a boy, how about you call the baby boy Desmond Miles? In, this is for the Assassin's Creed game. And if it's a girl, how about City? City Miles, I think it's quite beautiful. Uh is from the game The Witcher, The Witcher 3, and her name is Cyrilla. But I don't like City Luck. City is pretty enough. So let me know if you guys think about it. So Desmond Miles, you probably could have seen that coming. Yep. And frankly, I think Desmond is a great name. Desmond is a great name. Honest. It sounds really good. That's from Assassin's Creed. And then the other one, uh, it sounded like she was saying City. City. But it's act- I looked it up. It's, it's more like Siri. C-I-R-I. Oh, Siri. Okay. Yeah. And I know that sounds like Siri, the voice assistant on your iPhone, but... Um, it's spelled differently, and it's short for Cyrilla, C-I-R-I-L-L-A. So there you go, Siri and Desmond. That's good. To start us Thank off. Thank you. Uh, here we go. John on Facebook said, how about free Quint Flyer, Miles? <laughs> That's always <laughs> good. I've course- always liked the idea of playing on the uh, the word Miles. Of course, absolutely. Like when I was young, and- I always thought that Wakalata would be a good name for a boy. Wakalata. Wakalata yeah. Miles. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know what? We'll get there. I haven't suggested uh, that to my wife yet. Well, you should try. I, it. I really walk want. a lot of. Yeah. 
Waka Waka. Um, he spells that f- like first name free, I think, and then middle name is hyphenated Quint Flyer. So free Quint Flyer right. Miles. That's good. Sky Miles. Yeah. <laughs> Styles Miles. Miles. <laughs> um, this one I don't quite understand, but I have a feeling I may just be pronouncing it wrong. So you tell me if if you get something out of this. Kylo Meteors Two Miles. So Kylo space M E E T I R S dash T U Miles. Is there is there a is there a phonetic word in there I'm missing? Kylo Kylo Meteors Two Miles. Kylo Me, Meters Two Meters Two Miles. Kilo to meters. Kilo Miles. Kilo Meters Two Miles. Yeah, they, uh, I don't know. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Maybe. All right. And then finally, Lowell Miles. Uh, An actual Lowell? name. L-O-W-E-L-L. Lowell. Lowell. Oh, yeah. That's a good name. Lowell yep. Miles. Um, Jason, I hope you're enjoying it. I am this, very much enjoying it. I certainly am enjoying it. Um, Matt in Clementon, New Jersey wrote, he's looking forward to being introduced to Little Scramble, Scramble? Miles. Scramble? Of course. That already being used, though. By who? <laughs> yeah, you? well, it was my clown name. <laughs> It was. Uh, but he also said Lyle, Lyle? Miles. So yep. Lyle, yeah. And we have another vote for Style, Style Miles. So that's come up twice now. That's good. <laughs> um, Adam on Facebook wrote, in honor of the newly named British Polar Research Vessel, I submit Baby McBabyface. <laughs> not, not a name. You know what that's referring no, to. No, I though, do right? not. Oh, come on. The UK has a new research vessel, and they opened up naming of the boat to the public, and asked for suggestions and yep. voting and the overwhelming majority of people chose Bodie McBoatface. <laughs> no, I wasn't aware of and, that. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, look it up. It's funny because the boat kind of looks like Bodie McBoatface. You, you can just see that name printed on the side of the boat. Anyways, uh, they rejected it and went with... Well, no uh, friggin' kidding. What the hell were they thinking opening it up to the public? They're going to get like uh, 700,000 people going, you know what? I think this looks like a Bodie McBoatface. Right. Of course, that's what they're going to get. That's what they got. Uh, they ended up going, I think, with the Sir, the Sir David Attenborough, I think. Anyways. Snore. Yeah. Um, so Baby McBabyface is the play on that. Yeah, yeah. Terry. I, and- I've always liked the idea of unnamed Baby Miles. <laughs> Mystery Baby Miles. <laughs> that's it. Unnamed Baby Miles. There you go. Terry in Austin. Uh, here's a couple of solid names. Merle Miles. Merle. For a boy. I don't know about the double M though. That's uh Oh see, I love names that alliterate usually. We I tried my hardest to pick names for my kids that alliterated with my last name, but they're in my Francine opinion Fairhurst, Francine, that's a good name. Yeah, I don't know. In my opinion, there are very few names that start with F that sound good. The only Frankie. one I the only one I kinda liked was was Philip for a boy, Philip Fairhurst. Philip? Yeah. It starts with a PH though. Well it's it's the sound, it's not the letters. It's just flip. Flip. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. They're That's not a, a good... real name. That's not. I'm not just making that up. <laughs> no, That's I, a real name. Flip. I get it, but I. This is what I mean. There are not a lot of good names that start with the Frankie. F, so. Is good. It's not so bad, but Fox. Fox. Yeah. Fox I Mulder. I didn't think of that. <laughs> Fox. <laughs> Anyways, right we're talking about your baby here, not right, mine. Right. Well, Fox. Fox Miles. <clears throat> Fox Miles. Sure. Anyways, Merle Miles. Mickey. Merle. Here, here's one I actually do really think is 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 a great name, and it comes from Walking Dead too, of course. Maggie Miles. Maggie's good. Maggie's a great name, and it works. 
So Maggie has got some issues because, uh, well, there's there's Margaret's in both uh, Jenny's and my side of the family. But don't go with Margaret. Just go with Maggie. Well, I know that. Okay. But there's, uh, we also have family members named uh, Maggie, Margie, Peggy, uh, which are all derived from Margaret. Peggy? Peggy, yeah. I didn't know that was from Maggie or Margaret. I believe it is. Okay. Sort of like Ted is from Edward. Oh, and I also have ex-girlfriends named both Maggie and Margie. <laughs> so well, that's, you know it, what? it makes it tough. It shouldn't shouldn't affect you too much. I think Maggie Miles is is a very nice sounding name. Craig on the internet writes uh Miles and Miles. Miles and Miles. Miles and Miles. Miles or, and Miles. Or C4 Miles. I can see for Miles. I can see for Miles. Charlie on the internet writes, I can see for. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> right there. Perfect. Uh Sean in Richmond, Virginia. Couple of solid names. You will recognize these. If it's a girl, Madison. If it's a boy, Travis. Oh yeah. Travis Miles. That sounds really good. Travis Miles, that's good. And frankly, Madison Miles sounds good too. Um Emma in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Little ass kicker. Little Obviously ass kicker. Know where that's from. Now Mud Hut Marty, our friend in Auckland, New Zealand, uh, he wrote an email that had a funny uh autocorrect error in it. And I'm gonna read it, including the error. Cool. He writes, as a father of sex, I feel I am qualified <laughs> to forward some suggestions for baby names. <laughs> I approve. Yeah. And he wrote back immediately and wrote six. I mean six. <laughs> uh, but he says, for a boy, I suggest Maximilian Horatio Miles. Horatio. Maximilian. Max. Max yeah, Miles. Maxi Miles. <laughs> I don't like that. I do like Max, though. <laughs> yeah, Maximilian is good. Um, and then uh, for either a boy or a girl, I can see for. So that came up again. Yeah. <laughs> um, and finally, AJ in St. Louis, Missouri, Walker Miles. Walker. So I think you've got some good options here. There's some good options. And uh, I noticed you writing down a list. So uh, add those to the list and uh, let us know what Jenny thinks. Some of them I will uh, I will bring up as suggestions, <laughs> like style miles, style uh, miles. Well, like uh, Maggie, yeah. Marty, Max. Some okay. of the alliteration ones uh, are pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've I, we've yeah, I, it's hard to uh, it's hard to say uh, more because of the uh, the d- discussions of naming the baby are ongoing, of course, and uh, it's not the sort of thing you 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 know. You don't want to count your chickens before they hatch. No, yeah, that's not it. You don't want to let the cat out of the bag. That's what I mean. That's right. Yeah, because you, you know, if you have a cat, you want to keep it in the bag. Of course, because that's where cats like to be is in a sack of some kind. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, talks are ongoing. And uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not and classified. S- well, secret for now. Yeah, they're not really secret. They're just uh, not non-public discussions. Of course, non-public. Only you and your wife know what you're considering at this point. That's right. All right. Well, anyhow, if anyone is still listening, which there's a good chance is nobody by now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thanks to everyone who wrote in with the names. It was fun hearing about them. Uh, You know, I think you have given Jason something to consider and there's a few that came up a couple times. So I think those are serious contenders. Like I can see for. That's right. (laughs) And baby McBaby fix. Yeah. That's a good one too. Exactly. Uh, all right. If you want to get in touch with us, everybody, you can by visiting talkingdeadpodcast.com and clicking on send voicemail. If you want to send us a message, 
You can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Talking Dead. And of course, you can send email about the episodes or with baby names, I suppose, to Talking Dead Podcast at gmail.com. So we'll be back next week with a discussion of the next episode of Fear the Walking Dead. It's the second last one before the mid-season finale and uh, should be exciting to see. Hopefully they can continue the streak alive, at least the way I see it, a streak of pretty good episodes. Uh, But we'll find out next week. Until then, everyone, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye. Check one, two, checking one, two, three, and now I'm recording. There we go. Recordulating, recordulating the wave of form. Ricardo is recording. Ricardo is recording in the rectory. Ricardo is recording in the rectory. That's that's my new vocal warm-up. Ricardo recorded rectally. <laughs> that's not exactly what I said, but that works too. <laughs>